the vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. Yes, it can seem rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, and it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance, from the quality of your inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. Here on The Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Are you ready to step into your vibration of change? Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Christian Eptrick Show. You might be listening live here in the Seattle area on 1150 AM KKNW or live anywhere around the world on Transformation Talk Radio. Or if you're listening after the fact, you might be listening to one of the dozens of podcasts this ends up in or on ChristineUpchurch.com. But whenever and wherever you're joining us from today, we're very grateful you're here And um, we're going to be talking about something interesting today. And in a sense, if you've been listening on KKNW, we're sort of a continuation into that. But before I get into that, I want to say hello to the man behind all the technology, Mr. Benny Mathers. Hey, Benny. Hi there. Hopefully, hopefully we should be walking the right path from the last hour to this hour. Yes. Okay. Yes. And you'll see where I'm going with that one. Yeah. No. It might be a left path. I don't know. Oh, could be a right path. Could be the path that I just walked. <laughs> or moving forward. Who knows? Yes, indeed. People are like, what are we listening to? I right know, now? <laughs> I know. And we're just like giggling at each other. I'm and, confused and, too. Yeah, no. But it's, um, well, we'll See? talk about what we're going to talk you. about. I got you. Last week, I had the honor of being on Manson Mitchell, yeah. you know, with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. And this week, I have the honor of having them with me. And so um, we always have great conversation. And I love the fact that Gary and Suzanne, they've not only been hosting show for a really long time, um, they like to take this higher level perspective about our culture, about what's going on in the world. They're not like totally up in the woo-woo realm, but they're also open-minded to that. And they're not just totally grounded in this earthly reality and, and you know, close-minded to all these things. Um, they're, they're really this wonderful balance of both. And they have interesting conversations every single week with people who are just fascinating. And we'll talk a little bit about who their last guest was because it's going to segue into our topic today. And today we're going to be talking about culture shock. Is it a path to transformation? Um, We've got a lot of upheaval going on, uh, polarity, propaganda, and I'm wondering, can we sort of transcend this or transform this for healing, for transformation, for um, a new kind of society? So as I said before, it's Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell. They're in a radio partnership that's evolved over the years, just like the format of the show and the topics they cover. Back in March of 2007, they opened the microphone for the first time with a program on Tuesdays called Give and Take with Gary Mance. I think I may have actually been on that show. Um, The show topics revolved around negotiations and conflict resolution, discussing how to get best deals and how to work towards solutions in adversarial situations. And then eventually Gary co-hosted another show in another time slot. 
And then it was the Gary Mint Show Mastery and Mystery. So he was starting to head towards that woo-woo. And back into October of 2008. And eventually um, it got into the, the topics of transformation and paranormal. And then Suzanne, she became the show producer. And she would join Gary on the show each week briefly. And yeah, I remember. she knew a guy. Yeah, she, yeah, she did, knew a guy. Right. She just slipped right in there. And I remember <laughs> it was before she was actually like the co-host. Yeah. She I, when I was interviewed on Gary's show, she joined in and I thought, "Oh, I really like my conversation with her too." To make a long story short, um, they've got uh, a show every week <laughs> and I can't keep track of of all the show iterations, but I do know it's quality talk show um, and it's I, I would just was listening on my way in. It was just fascinating. I had a hard time getting out of my car. I knew I had to, like, I got into the parking garage. I had to, you know, head up the elevator to yeah, come I'd up here. Yeah, I'd expect you to like, be here for your and, show, and too. And it's okay. like, oh, no, but I really want to hear the end of this. <laughs> Christine's got to get to work. <laughs> <laughs> and anyway, um, they reside in Florida now. Aren't they smart? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at the, looking at the haze out there. Yes, and the cold. Um, and I'm really grateful to have them here today, you know, Gary and Suzanne. Welcome, guys. Well, you've got me smiling over here from <laughs> ear to ear because I don't hear myself talked about in the terms that you just did. And I thought, oh, you know, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I like people. That's for sure. And let me just be put it out there for everybody to know that Suzanne Mitchell was a brilliant producer, best organized person I know. And eventually it just made sense, good radio sense for Suzanne Mitchell to become my co-host. And I've always been not at all ashamed that she slept her way to the top. <laughs> and there's our show for today. <laughs> I love this. I love this. Oh, my wow. God. <laughs> oh, and you know what? I think that when I, when I was on your show at one point, it was one of the first times I was on you guys' show. Um, it was just your show, Gary, and and Suzanne was chiming in. That's like, wow, I really like her. And and you two balance each other's perspectives really well. And it's it's kind of like you're on the same page, but you offer something different. It's kind of like you're on the same page, but you offer different kinds of fonts. So it makes it interesting to read, you know. <laughs> we do have different perspectives, Christine. That is very true. And and so we hope that adds to the interest. We, we do see things differently. I mean, we have been on the radio in March. It'll be 13 years. Wow. And and our personal partnership is 18 years, uh -huh. and uh, and and yet you know we recognize that even today, I mean, we are not in lockstep. Mm -hmm. We we still debate things uh -huh. because each of our perspectives are so very different. Yeah. And um, and you know that's that's what it means to to be individual human beings yet come together as a couple, and you always learn different things about yourself in a partnership than you do when you're single. I mean, it's all about yeah. the growth, no matter whether you're partnered or not partnered. Right, right. And, um, you know, I was listening intently to your show on the way in. You, you guys were talking with experts on Roswell. And, oh, my goodness, I was fascinated. Not only, I, I'm fascinated by UFOs and the possibility and the probability that there have been visitors among us one way or another. Um, but the thing that really fascinated me about your conversation this last hour was about how you really 
have to question the truth, particularly the truth that's being presented by the government, the truth that's being presented by the media. Um, hearing about some of the interviews that they went to and they got sabotaged or a whole lot of evidence ended up on the editorial room floor. Um, it's, it was very disturbing to hear about all the cover-up and manipulation of information um, along the way. So, Gary, how, how do you discern when you're reading about something like UFOs or the politics that's going on in the United States, how do you personally discern what's potentially truth and what you think is probably propaganda? For me, it comes down to multi-sourcing because you can get anecdotal evidence or information from one person and maybe they're credible and maybe they're not. Maybe you're just left to wonder. But when I hear from two or three people who were there together, who can compare notes and they do it articulately, I'm going to take those people seriously and thus the subject under consideration. Mm -hmm. I like a good spooky story as much as anyone else there. But if I can find evidence, I want to weigh it as objectively as possible. And if it means that I wind up alienating some people because I believe what seems to them to be an impossible story, lacking all credibility, it's too arcane, none of that bothers me. For me, it's about following the trail of the evidence. And mm. before you do that, you have to make sure you unearth the evidence because there are people in this world heavily invested in keeping that evidence from coming to light. Yeah, and, and I think that there are plenty of people out there who have a lot of um, attachment to creating conspiracy theories that are sort of going the opposite direction, but propaganda none the same. So that it's, it's, it's the sort of thing where it's either being suppressed or it's being manipulated. And it, it's really disturbing these days because with the fancy video editing, you can make something look like an actual you know, presentation, an actual video clip of somebody, and it's totally not only out of context, but it could actually be like words that that person didn't put together in a sentence like that, and yet they're manipulated that way so that you perceive it to be truthful. Yes, I believe that's that's what it is. At packaging, put it, we've all heard the term spin. Mm -hmm. Spin, unfortunately, I have a lot of respect for public relations people because they're trying to get the word out, but I've also been made aware by just reading here and there about people who deal with PR people and agencies, that it is extremely difficult to find a public relations person or an organization that will present something that is definable in evidential terms. Mm -hmm. The idea is to get you from point A in your beliefs about this person, this program, whatever it is that they're representing, from point A to point Z, where at the conclusion you accept what they want you to believe and the image they wish to project. Mm. Anybody who can do that by reporting truthfully and being responsible when questioned about whatever is under consideration gets all my respect. I just think that's fantastic. But I'm told by many people in communications that that kind of thing is in very short supply nowadays. Yeah. So, Suzanne, when you're looking at information, whether it's about UFOs or if it's about, you know, political situation, how do you discern truth? Boy, that's um, that is a, a very tough question. I, I guess 
first of all, when we're talking about media manipulation, I am fairly sensitive to that. Mm -hmm. And one way that that comes out is when the commercials come on TV, I mute them. Mm, And I like the commercials a whole lot better without the audio. I mean, I can laugh at whatever it is that's going on on the video part of it. But I know that there is a tremendous amount of manipulation that goes on marketing-wise to influence us, to think certain things, believe certain things. And so, you know, I say especially when they're talking about all the side effects of all the drugs. Mm-hmm. And, and I get that, that sound off and I say, nope, we're not having diabetes today. Yeah. Nope, we're not having cancer today. Nope, yeah. we're not having you know high blood pressure today. Right. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's saying no to people who you know want you to believe that your life isn't good unless you really have this wonderful new you know car mm-hmm. that just came off the lot. Yeah. So how to how to figure t- truth from propaganda? Um, you know, one thing is going to be what are you trying to sell me? Right. And and kind of have your antenna up for that. But then you know, like what is what is the truth about some of these things like? like UFOs or Bigfoot or ancient aliens or, you know, whatever it might be, um, that is a lot more difficult. Mm-hmm. We, we were told by, um, by the uh, late great Anne Rule that she herself, being a policewoman in Seattle for years and years and years and years, did not know that Ted Bundy was a serial killer mm-hmm. because he, as a, a psychopath, he was completely convincing. Right, right. And and I have been fooled before by things. Yeah. And, so, you know, I, I think that your point, Suzanne, about um, being careful with the propaganda in advertising is really important. And I do something else myself, and I, I look at who the advertisers are on certain networks, and then I, I consider that to be like per, perhaps manipulating what's getting presented on that channel. Because some of these news programs have a whole lot of uh, pharmaceutical advertisers. Um, so some of the information I, I get through them or some of the information they refuse to cover um, about medical stuff, I think, is it because of who's their, who their advertisers are? We have to go to a quick break, but um, stay tuned for more about truth and the culture shock that we're living in and how to find hope here in just a few moments. If you're in the Seattle area, then you don't want to miss this upcoming event. On March 5th, best-selling author and renowned spiritual leader Panash Desai will be here in person sharing wisdom from his brand new book, You Are Enough. Come be inspired to embrace more of who you truly are, to step deeper into your potential, and to wake up to expansive possibility. You've seen him on Oprah. Now come see Panash Desai live, in person, Thursday, March 5th at 7.30 p.m. for his presentation and book signing, and 6 o'clock for the optional, more personalized premiere meet and greet. Sponsored by East West Bookshop and held at Seattle First Baptist Church, 1111 Harvard Avenue in Seattle. For more information or to register for this empowering event, go to eastwestbookshop.com. That's eastwestbookshop.com. Or go to panashdesai.com. 
That's P-A-N-A-C-H-E-D-E-S-A-I dot com. I'm Christine Upchurch, and this is a Stellar Reflections Minute. What does the word healing mean? Many think that healing merely means eliminating symptoms. However, based on my many years as a healer, I have a much broader perspective on the word. Healing can manifest in a variety of ways, including having physical problems resolved, becoming more emotionally centered, experiencing better relationships, gaining greater clarity, and feeling more spiritually connected. True healing always includes some level of transformation. Whatever form healing takes, there is one commonality, an improvement in quality of life. To me, the highest form of healing goes beyond aligning with wellness. It comes from recognizing our soul's voice and allowing it to speak through us. And in that sense, don't we all yearn to heal into our wholeness? Please visit StellarReflections.com or call 425-999-9836. That's 425-999-9836. How many times do you find yourself saying, it was nothing, or just doing my job, when really you knocked it out of the park? How did you get like this? Next time someone tells you great job, you'll know how to accept it and not deflect it by listening to Courage to be Seen Radio with host Sherry Clark. Sherry Clark is an experienced global engineering leader, coach, and mentor. From her experiences one-on-one coaching to corporate consulting and executive coaching, Sherry has learned many women need at least three things to discover and face success. Learn about the ACES program, how to survive male-dominated fields with grace and authenticity, and reach the top without ever once giving up on who you are. Courage to be Seen host Sherry Clark explores the awesome power of your entire self and how far you can go by being more you. Check out her website, CourageToBeSeen.com. You have the courage to be seen. See you later. Welcome back to the Christine Upchurch Show here on 1150 AM KKNW and Transformation Talk Radio. You know, Suzanne, um, <laughs> we're, we're talking about discerning truth. And Gary, I know you've got a very logical, rational mind. And yet for both of you and for me, you know, I've, I, I'm like trying to figure out when I see something presented in the media, is it true? Um, and I don't even know what to believe anymore. And you were just talking on the break about how there are plenty of people who live down in Florida near you guys who are big proponents of what I consider to be propaganda that's being presented and they believe it to be truth. Um, what happens to people to, to sort of close their perspective so they're going to believe whatever their tribe tells them to believe? You know, Christine, I've given this some thought, and I've looked at this quite a bit, and and I do believe that a a truth with a capital T may not necessarily exist Mm. other other than our wishing it did, Uh because I think everybody sees things through their own filter, Mm -hmm. and nobody, not a single individual person can see something crystal clear that we think of as the truth. Right. Everybody sees what they want to see. Yeah. And, they and, don't, they don't, nobody, no two people see exactly the same thing. They see what they want to see. And I think that's important that there's like this, this wish for things to fit into a person's perspective. But sometimes there are irrefutable 
irrefutable facts. And Gary, what's your perspective on how people can take some information, such as there are you know, babies and young children being separated from their parents at the border when they're just coming to, to, to find their way into the U.S. for a better life. Um, how, can, how can people just have this perspective of, okay, that's really not happening, or they're bad somehow? It's, it's like there's so much information out there, even when the information is, is, is being controlled so much by the government, and yet people will just put the blinders on. How does that happen? It's very distressing to consider that. Uh, when you have monitors go in and they see deplorable conditions uh-huh. and they report on those only to get the standard, and I hate to use the term, but here we go, PR uh-huh. response from the government, whose interests are being served? Right. In the case of you mentioned the children at the border separated from their families, a ghastly and inhumane process. And for, it's a process for which the federal government in this administration was not prepared. That much is clear. Right. Can't even keep track of who's going where. They don't know. So you have, at, at root, you have a president who is a demagogue, who is a pathological liar, in my mm-hmm. opinion, right. who is mentally compromised, in my opinion. And I think that the number of doctors who watch this with growing alarm can speak to the pathology far better than I can. But when you have one of his main advisors who doesn't get before the cameras and the microphones very often at all, Stephen Miller, Uh who is, I think it's pretty much clear on the record now that he is a white nationalist, Uh that white supremacy does not offend him as a term. I think it matches his politics and who has been known to say that he would like to eliminate all immigration into this country from non-white populations. You're talking about people whose interests are served by making life so miserable for the least of us, for the sojourner, for the stranger in our midst, that it's really just a matter of them selling it to people for whom bigotry and xenophobia is already like the air they breathe. To them, it's welcome news. Keep out those foreigners. We don't want these rapists and drug dealers, et cetera. We've all heard that. With that going on, It just seems like you have people who are in power, they have their hands on the levers of government, and they are doing their utmost 24-7 to enforce an agenda that the majority of Americans find repugnant. But when you're not in power and you don't have the money to fight it, you are at the effect of these people and their agenda. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that concerns me, Suzanne, and I've seen this with certain young people, is they don't their their values aren't with the white nationalism but they're they're so skeptical of anything that they hear whether it's from the government or anybody else that they're they're apt to believe conspiracy theories so for instance um oh the information coming from the CIA and and others you know it's it's got to be false so how do we really know that Russia was involved in the election things like that so it's kind of like there there are people with good values who are apt to not believe anything except some some YouTube video, you know, that where it, there's not a whole lot of good documentation, but there's some video clips or there's some people saying that something's true and they end up believing some of these conspiracy theories. How do we sort of keep truth alive within the context of disinformation? Wow. You know, there, that is the power, the, the downside of the social media and the internet where you can put anything that you want on there, true or not, 
you can just put it up in into the ether and and I think I mean uh, or else we wouldn't have a Rush Limbaugh. Uh-huh. I mean, you can just say anything and and speak it and it, it's though you are somehow speaking the truth if if you can't discern, if you can't ask yourself does this make sense? If you have no way of checking the facts. Mm-hmm. There are people who do that, but there's, I think, again, it kind of comes down to there's only so many hours and minutes in the day. Right. I've got a lot of things to do, and I, I don't really need to check that if it if it goes along with your worldview. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know that there's so many people who are now thinking there's corruption every which way. And there is um, there are problems with power, and there, there's this real discrepancy between the haves and the have-nots now. And I think there are a lot of young people who aren't feeling the hope that that I feel like I had when I was their age. Gary, how do we? Um, how, how are these people sort of shaping our future? I think that our future is being shaped by a relative handful of people who control the narrative. And they who control the narrative control not only the day-to-day reality within a society and internationally as well, they also control the perception of reality. Mm. That's what gives me pause because I've heard any number of people ask, I'm hardly the first, but uh, where, why are we not taking to the streets? Where are the people? You and I are old enough. We remember. I remember the moratorium days. I remember the March on the Pentagon in DC, right? where did all of that go? And the only answer I can come up with is it comes down to, first of all, the inertia of people who, as they age, don't, and we're baby boomers, who don't want to take that on again. We didn't think we'd live to see it in the first place. Uh-huh. And the other thing is that when you have a diffuse culture and a social media presence that is pervasive, it's a lot easier to get on Twitter or to get on Facebook and argue with strangers Uh (laughs) than it is to pick up your placard and go march in the streets. The consequence of that, particularly in the era of voter suppression, creates a dire scenario because, again, it comes down to the relative handful of people who have the money and the power to influence our perceptions of reality. That's why it's it's kind of a damning indictment, and I wish I knew how to solve that riddle. Yeah, and the, a piece of this is um, clearly gaslighting. And I saw, um, I think it was a psychologist who was evaluating this interaction with the somebody from the CDC and Trump, and and basically the person from the CDC was saying that vaccine for um, the coronavirus is probably eighteen months away. And then I saw that. And yeah. then, you know, Trump saying, oh, it's, it's going to be a couple of months. And 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 the guy came on and and said, no, it's going to be, the, you know, be two to two, three months. We've got to get to this point where we can actually test yep. it on animals and test, test it on humans. And, you know, yep. the whole process will take a while. And then you hear the president saying over and over again, oh, it's it's no big deal. It'll, it'll be a vaccine. And and so when, and the psychologist was saying when when people hear something repeatedly, even yes. if it's false, they end up believing it because yep. it's kind of like it, it's like the gas like we are being gaslighted by a narcissist. And because we're being bombarded with it through the media, um, we're you know, it, it, it's a, it affects many of us. 
that definitely affects many of us in a, a climate of fear and suspicion that is largely induced. It's independent from known facts and past a point, I hate to say it, Christine, but the facts don't matter. Yeah. It's what they tell you again and again. You just pointed it out. This is the big lie theory. Mm -hmm. This is something Joseph Goebbels perfected back in the day. When you have the big lie and the bigger the better and you repeat it and repeat it, most people will give way under the weight of propaganda. Sooner or later, they're going to stop arguing with you unless they are truly intellectual flamethrowers and people who are mentally alert and remain that way despite how exhausting it can be to an entire society. Yeah. How many times have you heard lately, Christine, it's exhausting to watch TV. It's exhausting to yeah. pick up a magazine or the newspaper and see the latest outrage, which in and of itself would have rendered many an administration in an earlier era impotent. Yes. But now it's just the flavor of the month or of the week or of the day. Yeah. Anybody can lose interest after a while because there's a sense of futility in trying to rage against the machine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We have to go to another quick break, but um, we're going to continue this conversation with Suzanne Mitchell and Gary Mance here in just a few moments. Do you sometimes feel overwhelmed by your mind? Powerless when it seems to spin in worry circles or bombard you with self-critical thoughts? Do you want to learn how to master your mind and feel more in control of your life? Listen to Dr. Friedman's Empowerment Radio. Shift from confusion to clarity, self-doubt to confidence, and from anxiety to peace and balance. Dr. Friedman and his many guest experts share the insights and tools you want to live with greater ease, joy, and purpose. Tune in to Empowerment Radio every first and third Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Your money is your creational energy when you feed your wealth back into what you love. It signals your choices and returns to you. Tune in to Money Momentum with host Karen Baines and learn the truth about the widely misunderstood creative energy that is the cash in your pocket. Realign the things you can't see to get the results you can see. Listen every month for a whole new hour on how to get the money already aligned to who you are. For more information on Karen and Money Momentum, visit soulwhispers.uk. If you're in the Seattle area, then you don't want to miss this upcoming event. On March 5th, best-selling author and renowned spiritual leader Panash Desai will be here in person sharing wisdom from his brand new book, You Are Enough. Come be inspired to embrace more of who you truly are, to step deeper into your potential, and to wake up to expansive possibility. You've seen him on Oprah. Now come see Panash Desai live, in person, Thursday, March 5th at 7.30 p.m. for his presentation and book signing, and 6 o'clock for the optional, more personalized premiere meet and greet. Sponsored by East West Bookshop and held at Seattle First Baptist Church, 1111 Harvard Avenue in Seattle. For more information or to register for this empowering event, go to eastwestbookshop.com. That's eastwestbookshop.com. Or go to panashdesai.com. That's P-A-N-A-C-H-E-D-E-S-A-I.com. Calling all moms, it's time to awaken your vibrant, intuitive, loving self in every area of your life. Join host Debbie Pokornik as she shares thoughts, stories, and tools to help you stand in your power. Listen to Vibrant Powerful Moms Helping Everyday Women Create Extraordinary Lives, Mondays at 2.30 Pacific, 5.30 Eastern. For more information about Debbie, visit EmpoweringEnergy.com. That's Empowering with letters N-R-G.com. 
Are you meeting your sales goals? Or maybe your business plan could use a dose of the divine. Tune in to Divinely Driven Results with faith-based business coach Elise Smith on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Coach Elise Smith helps listeners get unstuck from their business plateau and become empowered through divine guidance. Build up belief in yourself and your dreams and learn business strategies that work for you for real lasting results. Learn more by visiting www.DivinelyDrivenResults.com. Welcome back to the Christine Uptrick Show here on KKNW and Transformation Talk Radio. I'm having a wonderful and fun conversation with Suzanne Mitchell and Gary Mance, hosts of the Manson Mitchell Show on the previous hour before my show. And, you know, guys, it's um, I'm at a loss sometimes to figure out what to do. And you guys were talking on the break about how you can't even talk politics with the people around you because of the tribalism, their perspective, that those, those talking points, those little sound bites that have perhaps been proven completely false by investigations at the FBI and through investigative journalism, that the truth doesn't matter. It's all about, you know, their, their tribal beliefs. <sighs> are, there, are there good aspects to the tribalism? And um, how do we get out of the bad aspects of tribalism? Uh, you know, we don't really live on an island, nor could we. Uh, we are having to deal with other people. We are having to live with other people. And, of course, the upside to that is when you are in your group, you are helping one another. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't, um, you can't sell a product just to yourself. Right. You can't, or a service, or anything. You are dealing with other people on a on a near constant basis. the The idea of the tribalism that has always existed. That mm-hmm. is not new. We think that this is, um, you know, horrific yeah. that we are so divided. And yet, if you looked over the history of human beings. Not only were we divided, but extremely violent Mm -hmm. and uh, burned down whole villages, kill everybody in the village, burn the village down. And and so, you know, in some regards, we have that left over, but it's mostly now in words. Although in Syria, that's exactly what's going on right now, my understanding. Uh, I saw um, uh, an image of this father who's trying to save his... Um, his kids and they were burning down the village. It's like, so that really is still existing parts of the world. But when we get to the U.S. situation, you're right. It's a thing of the past. Uh, Yes. In the past, yes, we have plenty of mass shootings. But even so, even with how violent we are with mass shootings, when you talk to the anthropologists, they will tell us that you know, over the millennia that we are less violent. Mm. So we still have those tendencies and we still have the anger and we still want to strike out at people, but yet there's a lot less of that physically going on. I'm, I'm quite interested in this idea about culture shock. When you open the show and you said path to transformation, mm-hmm. we have been hearing for some time that our systems are too heavy and are going to need to break down and be replaced with something. Right. I, I, I heard, I worked in banking back a long time ago in the late seventies. 
And I couldn't believe when people were talking about how someday there wouldn't be any cash. Right. Everything is going to be a credit card. Uh -huh. And you go, oh, okay. Well, since then, people now pay using their telephone. Yep. So they don't have cash. Some people don't even have credit cards. It's like the whole, all the systems are evolving. And, and I think that with that shock of, oh my gosh, I'm going to pay with my phone. You know, it, it's like I, I lived in the rotary dial days. Oh my gosh. I remember those. You know, <laughs> where, rotary, the, where the phone was like, yeah, it had a cord. <laughs> right. And, and the flip phone. I mean, I've been through umpteen iterations of telephones. Uh -huh. Well, if you live long enough, you recall how things used to be. You look at how they are now. And I think there is a transformation that is occurring where the, the systems that are the in the most trouble are going to be somehow turned upside down. Now, what's going to result from that? Is that going to be better? No. Mm -hmm. It will be better in some ways and worse in others. Yeah. With, with all of our Internet stuff, we've truly lost our privacy you can find information about anybody. I know. I've Googled that, myself and found my yes. way to my, my mobile number. It's like, really, folks? You know, like, yes. why, do, why does anybody have this information online? And, and so with every good thing that happens, there's something bad that goes along with it. You've got right. identity theft. You've yep. got, you know, plenty of bad stuff. And I don't think it's ever all one or all the other. You know, you, yeah. you say, well, this is good. But then this isn't. I mean, it's always going to be two sides of one coin any time that you are having uh, something transformative occur. It initially looks like it might be pretty terrific. Uh -huh. But then you find out what the downside is. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and so that's kind of always going to be with us. And I think it, it's just a matter of taking a, a, a broader view, taking, you know, kind of pulling back and instead of looking at, you know, personally, you know, this is good or bad for me, right. just kind of looking at it from a bigger perspective. So, Gary, I think about um, what Suzanne was talking about, and I, I think about it in relationship to financial situation. Um, we've had huge market losses here in the U.S. this week. And, you know, people are afraid of what's happening to our global economy because of the coronavirus I know in Japan, they're like, they've closed down schools for a month. And, you know, ultimately, even if this doesn't turn out to be a, a, a really bad pandemic around the world, um, there's a certain amount of fear that comes with it. And with that fear comes change one way or another. Um, in the financial situation, do you see this as part of that transformation into something new? Or do you think this is just going to be a little, a little blip? on the same old, same old uh, historical uh, perspective on the stock market. My guess, and believe me, it's only a guess, which makes me just about like everybody else, uh -huh. is, is that the nature of the market, first of all, you're always going to have scared money. If there's a, a pandemic, people will bet against the disruption. They want to close down. They're going to keep that money in a sock or whatever they do to give themselves a hedge. Right. And other people will wait. They might buy low and sell high much later, knowing that 
no pandemic, no matter how severe, lasts forever. You have to wait these things out. So I think you're going to have more than the normal amount of caution. We are going to have disruption. Uh -huh. Suzanne and I are talking about, for example, I mean, I don't play the stock market, but I do like to go to Vegas once in a while. Right. It's been several years. Suzanne and I are going. We plan to fly out there. What's going to happen? Are we going to have a, a plane with people wearing masks at that point? Right. How bad is this going to get? People's behavior will have to be altered in order to weather this. It's financial, yes, yeah. but in every aspect of our lives, we're going to treat ourselves and each other differently. Mm -hmm. We don't know whether we can get the money back for our airfare, but we're looking at this situation and asking ourselves, do we want to, to expose ourselves to a heightened risk but getting on that airplane and then walking among the masses yeah. on the strip out in Las Vegas, uh -huh. it's the kind of thing that has to do with an altered lifestyle for the duration. Right. And I, and I think about how um, something like a pandemic is a natural equalizer. I, I, I think about the stock market, you know, for the haves, and there's this huge difference between the haves and the have-nots, you know, now. And it's been... It's this, this. It's like a chasm now that's growing, and there's so many people today who feel like they don't even have the opportunity to become a have at any point, and so the this is affecting the haves in terms of the financial market. And yet, when it comes down to health, you know, we're all the same. We're we've got the same vulnerabilities, um, and that. But then the the next piece of it is when we're sick. Those of us who have insurance have access to care, and those who don't, don't. Or those who, have, who can't afford their co-payment or, you know, like when they get beyond their, you know, they can't afford getting up to their deductible. Um, so I, I, I see this as kind of like an equalizer, but also accentuating how we've got this huge inequality. The inequality is something that bothers me a great deal. And, you know, I never had a serious conversation about that wealth inequality until years ago. Suzanne Mitchell brought it up to me and said this was something that she had thought about for years. And she saw it as bad then. And the inequality is becoming a yawning chasm now. Mm -hmm. And that really bothers me a lot because of the essential unfairness, but also because there's some things that you just need. Healthcare, biggest example of them all. Mm -hmm. I don't consider, get a load of this, hear me out. I do not consider healthcare a right. I do not consider healthcare a privilege. It is a commodity which coincides with basic human necessity. So you can, it's not you know, how much is too much and where are the drugs coming from? How do we get our hands around negotiating drug prices? Do I get to see the doctor of my choice? Can I keep my health plan at work? Healthcare and everything that goes with it is a basic human necessity. And no government can claim to be a success that does not give people affordable access to healthcare. Mm, yeah, we have to go to our final break, but stay tuned for more here with Gary and Suzanne. If you're in the Seattle area, then you don't want to miss this upcoming event. On March 5th, best-selling author and renowned spiritual leader Panash Desai will be here in person sharing wisdom from his brand new book, You Are Enough. Come be inspired to embrace more of who you truly are, to step deeper into your potential, and to wake up to expansive possibility. You've seen him on Oprah. Now come see Panash Desai live in person Thursday, March 5th at 7.30 p.m. for his presentation and book signing 
and 6 o'clock for the optional, more personalized premiere meet and greet. Sponsored by East West Bookshop and held at Seattle First Baptist Church, 1111 Harvard Avenue in Seattle. For more information or to register for this empowering event, go to eastwestbookshop.com. That's eastwestbookshop.com. Or go to panashdesai.com. That's P-A-N-A-C-H-E-D-E-S-A-I.com. Are you ready to shift your current beliefs about death? From debilitating pain and loss? Follow Angie Corbett Kuiper as she shares that through choice, present moment awareness, and keeping an open mind that anything is possible, even in death. Tune in to Beyond Proof Radio with Angie, redefining death and loss every first and third Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. For more, visit BeyondProof.com. What is a brilliant culture and how do we create them? Why are they important? Claudette Rowley has created a breakthrough five-step process to help you align your culture with your business strategy for exceptional results. Looking for a culture that drives organizational excellence? Listen to Cultural Brilliance Radio, the second and fourth Friday of each month at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern on Transformation Talk Radio. To learn more or work with Claudette, visit culturalbrilliance.com. I'm Christine Upchurch, and this is a Stellar Reflections Minute. As a former research statistician, my scientific background is what many would call sensible. For more than a decade now, I have been working in the field of energy medicine, facilitating sessions and teaching around the world. People from the mainstream often ask me, how did a sensible woman like you end up working in such an alternative field? Implicit in their question is the underlying assumption that the field of subtle energy, such as energy healing and intuition, isn't sensible. But I believe it is very sensible. Even scientists are able to measure aspects of this. Approaching life from an energetic perspective brings us new opportunity for healing and transformation. And from a practical standpoint, even if you can't rationally explain how something works, if you experience a shift from it, then doesn't it make it pretty sensible? Please visit StellarReflections.com or call 425-999-9836. That's 425-999-9836. Welcome back to the Christine Eptrich Show. Oh, my goodness, guys. This hour is flying by. You and I, we three have lots to talk about, you know, every single time we get together and whether it's on air or off. Okay, so we've talked about the polarity. We've talked about the tribalism. We've talked about propaganda and versus truth and trying to find truth. My question to you, Suzanne, is how do we find hope within this chaos of this culture shock? You know, I, I I have gone through quite a few emotions myself of late, and I think when you're when you're wondering about hope, I think you have to generate it yourself. Mm. I think you have to decide. You know, I've heard many uh, a time it's said that you know when when somebody is feeling sad or blue, go do something for somebody else. Mm-hmm. And and so I think there are times when we're we're down at the mouth and singing the blues, but we can always find somebody who could use a, a hand up. Right. And and so the same thing applies with hope. If we're going to be looking for it outside ourselves somewhere, there are plenty of stories. There are plenty of really great stories about good things that are happening in the world. Uh-huh. But I but I think you need to make that decision that um, that there is hope. 
I think we're, we're kind of hardwired, you know, one way or another to either, you know, go negative or go positive, but you can make a choice there. Yeah. And I think that there's been some scientific research that says, and I think this is probably ego-based, that we go to this place of fear because we want to figure out how to control all the negatives um, ah, in order mm-hmm. to survive, you know, or to right. come out on top or whatever. Um, but right. I like this idea, Suzanne, of, of choosing hope one way or another, finding your way to, to choose hope. Gary, how do you get to a place of like <laughs> from disgust or frustration or fear to a place of hope? The way it's how timely your question is, Christine, the way I see life now and I'm. I'm Medicare age now, so I mean, most of my life is in the rearview mirror. However, that does not prevent me, the fact of aging does not prevent me from looking at my inner life, especially my thought life, as being a rich field of opportunity to shape my own destiny within the parameters that are available to any reasonably intelligent, healthy human being. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to get behind the wheel of my own life. I'm going to see better, and I don't just mean prescription eyeglasses, I'm going to see better because I think better, because I imagine better, because I visualize good outcomes while insulating myself from overreaction to the inevitable adversities of life that occur to rich and poor alike. That is what I call balanced and constructive living, and from now until the the day they throw me in an urn, I am committed to that practice. You heard it here. I love that. You know, one of the things that I think is helpful for me, and I, and I really do believe that it's true for all of us, that if we really want positive change, that we have to open to our best understanding of truth, but also come to this place of surrender. And I don't mean not fighting against something or not working towards something, but rather saying, this is where we're at right now. And breathe into that and let go into that and and say okay now what now what should we create what needs to be manifested um not giving up but sort of letting go to in that moment to welcome to be able to welcome something new because if we're so busy resisting and fighting against then we're not really allowing the energy of what is and we're not allowing that energy to move forward into our our places of of hope and and what it is we want to create. You know, I'm taking everything very personally in the sense, Christine, that I think when I was younger, I I thought that there was a possibility I could change the world. Uh And at this point, I say, I can't change the world. The only thing I can change is me. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of bring everything back to home base and say, what can I do that will bring me joy and satisfaction? Right. And so I, I don't worry too much about the rest of the world. My, my to-do list is what do I need to do for me, for our household, you know, for, for our home? What's going on here? And that's something that I can succeed at. And, and that puts me in the right place. Not not trying to change the whole world. Yeah, because that's that's too much responsibility for any individual. Gary, in a, about a minute or so, do you have any final word, words for finding our way through from from chaos to positive change? 
Well, you know, I will thank you so much, Christine. Thanks for having us both on today. It's always a blast. Uh, yeah. What I would suggest is that people acquire a copy. You can get it on Kindle for not much money if you don't want to buy the book. There was a very wise man named Ernest Holmes. Mm. He wrote a book called The Science of Mind. And in that book of approximately uh, about 600 pages I sell, uh, or so, he managed to to synthesize what he called the golden thread that ran through the spiritual systems of the world. And you find out how remarkably alike we are with systems that are exotic to us initially, but then we find out that at root, we are thinking beings. We have the ability to use language. If you combine our visual ability, our imaginative capacity, and our ability to use language, you can talk yourself into and out of about any state of affairs that you choose. And that's the key. You are at choice. So what are you choosing today? Oh, interesting. I, I love this notion of um, kind of working with the energy that I was thinking in terms of energy to create positive change. And it's, I think for many of us who are in our conscious journeys right now, um, it can be frustrating because we've worked hard to create something positive on a bigger level. And yes, we can positively affect our own life and, and you know, those whose lives we touch as well, but we can't control the state of the world. And that is, that is frustrating. I know that's hard for many people. Um, but you know, what, what you guys have talked about, I think gives me hope. And I'm so grateful, Suzanne and Gary, that you joined me here today because you've always got such insight. You know, you, you have your weekly show on KKNW and you, you think about culture, you think about truth, and you're bringing that perspective in fabulous conversation with others, with your wonderful guests. So um, I thank you for doing that. And I thank you for being here today. Well, thank you, Christine. We love this back and forth between us. Let's do it again. Sounds great. And I want to thank Benny over there and the staff at TTR um, for doing the, the technological magic to so you guys can hear the sh- show and i also like to thank kyle paget who's doing her behind the scenes stuff and i want to thank you the listener because we're doing this show for you thanks for joining us here today i look forward to talking to you again soon thanks so much for tuning in today if you'd like to empower yourself to step further into your vibration of change please visit my website at christineupchurch.com where you can learn more about my insights upcoming events, and private sessions. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.